All right, we are back with another Hit the Mat podcast. This week on deck is one of the better fight weeks that we've really seen in a little while. I mean, there's some big names on this one. Starting off, how are we doing, Ben? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, you know, definitely excited for this card. It, uh, it may be a fight night on ESPN, but it definitely has that, that pay-per-view type of feel with, with the quality of these fights, so. Definitely excited to dive into this. And no, I mean, it, it really is crazy when you think about Wonderboy Holland on top of the card. And then Barbarena Dos Anjos is going to be a great one. And we were talking about it earlier, Tuivasa and Sergey Pavlovich. That is one hell of a heavyweight fight. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically a battle of two knockout artists. It's, it's one of those fights where I, I don't know if it'll go past the first round. I don't even know if it'll go past half of the first round. So... Uh, just extremely excited to talk about all these fights. I don't know where you want to start. I mean, we could start with any of them, and it's exciting. But I say we start bottom of the card. We'll work our way up, and we'll start with Eric Anders and Kyle Dawkus. I'm excited for this one because I personally am a fan of Dawkus. Yeah, I am too. He, he's a guy that's been around for a little while. Um, he's got a good stand-up game. He's definitely a guy that can put on a show, and I think he needs to put on a show here because um, – you kind of start to question his place in the division in terms of where it's playing out right now. He's kind of in a weird spot, almost in like a Dan Hooker spot, if you want to say, where it's like, if he loses, where do we kind of go? If he, if he wins, then, you know, we start increasing the competition. But, you know, it, he should win this fight. I, I truly think he should. I, I don't know too much about Anders, but I'm sure he's some pretty good competition. But, I mean... For this being the bottom of a fight night card is crazy because because Kyle Dawkins, you know, he, he's a name in the sport. He he's a guy that a lot of fans know of. So I mean, it's just it's crazy the the quality of fights we're getting. I mean, he really is. And you look at the past three fights he's had. I mean, one of them was a little weird with Kevin Holland, a no contest. I mean, really wasn't a long fight at all. But the two uh, following that one. Only one round, so this is a guy that's going to get in there, and and even if he loses or he wins, it seems to be a strategy of his to get it going early. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he's going to need to get it going early. He he might need to get a finish here. I don't know if uh, if a decision win would be too impressive for Dawkins here. I mean, like you said, him getting it him getting it going early is very very key to this fight because. I feel like we don't know a ton about his stamina as well. If we start to get into that late third round, how he's going to look is, is, is he going to start to get sloppy with his defense? Is he going to start to, you know, not have as good as offense because he emptied the tank too much. So it, it's definitely interesting to think how, how Kyle Dawkins needs to get this done and when he needs to get it done. No, I, I agree with you in the sense of like, he really needs to get a win here because when you're talking about honors, I don't want to slight him in any way, but it's just the reality of the facts. He hasn't been impressive lately. I mean, three out of his last four fights have been losses. So it feels like one of those fights that they're trying to get Kyle Dawkins going in a way. And again, not, not to slight, but it's more of Dawkins needs to execute in this spot atop this card so that he can kind of get himself back in the picture like you said right he, he's one of those guys that got brought in I think he was viewed as one of those top prospects that maybe could rattle off a couple wins in a row and then get that championship spot right away but you know the reality the reality of the UFC hit him and got a couple of losses but he's, he's still young he's he's uh 29 years old he's right in his prime so I mean this is a guy that you give him a couple fights where he can rattle off a couple wins and it's a name we definitely can't forget in the future. I could not agree more with you. Now, the next fight, Jack Hermanson and Roman Dolides. Dole, I don't know much about either of these guys, so I am excited to kind of watch the unknown here. This was obviously originally supposed to be Derek Brunson. That was one I was excited for. I was excited to see Brunson get back in there and fight, but that sadly got canceled. So this will be Roman and... You told me you watched some of this guy, and he is pretty darn legit coming in with the 11-1 record. So it's not like Hermanson is necessarily taking an easier fight, but it's just not a guy I'm very familiar with. Right, and I, I'm actually extremely excited for this fight because Jack Hermanson in his last fight, he fought, he fought Chris Curtis, who actually came in on... He came in on a short notice. I believe it might have even been within a week or so, but 
I remember he he actually toyed with them. Honestly, he, Jack Hermanson looked like the fighter that was in a training camp. It was kind of expected, you know. He he went out there, he got the job done, he got the decision. I mean, he he basically just won on points. He wasn't really being aggressive. He wasn't trying to, you know, send off a flurry of punches and maybe get caught with something. Kind of just went in there, did his thing, you know, scored points and won. Now against Roman Dalades, I hope we're pronouncing his last name right. Yeah, really this is gonna be a tough one. <laughs> But, I mean, he's a guy that I, I just kind of looked into him because I didn't know a whole ton about him. But he's 11-1. and one. He's coming off of two first-round knockouts. One in June over Kyle Dawkins. It's a first-round knockout. And then one on October 29th, which is about a month ago, against Phil Hawes. Now, the interesting thing about this fight is it was supposed to be Hermanson versus Derek Brunson. Now, yeah. that got canceled because Brunson got injured. And now Dalladays is stepping in, fighting less than a month ago. Um, I mean, this guy sounds like a dog, dude. I mean, and on the books, you got Jack Hermanson as minus 185 favorite. Roman Dalladays is plus 180 or plus 155. This guy's a killer, man. I, I think there's some true value on Roman Dalladays here. I think this is a fight where... He could really get his name into a lot of popularity within the UFC because, I mean, if he goes in there and he makes a statement win against Jack Monson, never mind another first-round knockout, if he's able to knock him out in the first round, I mean, we got to start to really take a look into this guy. I mean, I hear you. Hermanson's one of the it's, – it's more like the – not the rookie and the vet, but – in a sense, it kind of is like it's the young up and coming fighter that that seems really exciting here. Like you said, taking the fight on on a month's notice, so definitely a showman in that sense. And then you think about Hermanson, who he's fought some real legit opponents here. He's got some good experience: Cannonier, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, Marvin Vittori, Sean Strickland. So this is a guy who has really fought some of the best in his division. And that's going to be interesting to see how that plays a factor into this fight. Does experience play a factor? Or is it just the young kid is, is going to be too much and, and he's a force to be reckoned with like you're suggesting? Yeah, it's, it's one of those fights where it's just it's a test for one of these young prospects. You know, we, we couldn't have the Brunson-Hermanson fight, which was kind of a contender fight. Not a number one contender, obviously, but it, it was like you're going to move up in the rankings, maybe get into that top seven range top five range if you can win the fight but now now they're like all right let's bring the young guy in there coming he, I'm a, he didn't take much damage at all when he need Kyle Dawkins right in the face and then once he knocked out Phil Hawes barely took any damage as well so hey why not bring this young guy in there give him another test I mean this is exciting man because I know I said Hermanson kind of just won his way in the last fight he didn't really go for that knockout but He's a guy in the past that he's had some pretty vicious knockouts. So I expect this fight to be fireworks. I think it's going to be a great fight. I agree with you. I'm excited to see it. Like I said, it's more for me. It's like it's an unknown. I I don't know much about Dolades, if that's the correct pronunciation. I'm really questioning if we're saying it right. But hey, I guess we're going to find out on Saturday. That's for damn sure. But either way. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one, but the next one is probably the one that we can agree that we're the most excited about, and that's Bam Bam Taitu Ivasa versus Sergey Pavlovich. This fight, I mean, I said it at the beginning, I, I don't know if it'll go past half of the first round. I mean, right before we got on air, I, I just watched the Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich fight. I just rewatched it, and that fight lasted 30 seconds, 40 seconds. I yep. mean... Sergey Pavlovich just went into the middle, and they both started exchanging, and he just rocked Derek Lewis. I mean, absolutely rocked him. And Derek Lewis is a guy that never usually gets rocked. I mean, we have seen him get rocked a couple times now in this past couple fights, but just in general, if you look at his overall career in terms of getting knocked down, he really hasn't been a lot. And Sergey Pavlovich made easy work of him. This guy's 16-1. and He's a veteran of the sport that is basically undefeated. His only lost was to Alistair Overeem in 2018. And I mean, Alistair Overeem is no joke. And in 2018, he was viewed as one of, if not the best heavyweight in the whole sport. So, I mean, it, when you look at 16 and one, I basically see 16 and oh, because that, that loss in 2018, was just basically a learning lesson for him. And, and, and through there, it's just been knockout after knockout. And then tied to Ivasa. I mean, 
I can let you take over for him because I'm sure you have a lot to say about him. Exactly. He right now is in a spot that it was so impressive, the run that he went on. He also was impressive in his latest loss, but it's like you really don't want to go stretch this any further with with the losing. you got to get back on track with a big win against Pavlovich here because he is entertaining. He's a showman. He's a fan favorite, a guy that is going to get himself right back into the title contention at some point if he can stack this win. I don't know if it's going to take another one, but he should be back in that conversation if he can get a knockout here because, like you're saying, Pavlovich is is dangerous opponent. It's it's not like this is a, a get-right fight in any way. It's it's danger. It This could be very short. It could be another 55-second fight like his last one. But, man, I just think Tai Tuivasa goes in there. He's going to have to use the experience of fighting some of these top guys that Pavlovich hasn't necessarily faced because Cyril Gan uh, is a legit opponent. I mean, and he dropped him. It was something we hadn't seen because we really hadn't seen uh, Gan get dropped. And that's what's the aspect of Tai Tuivasa is like, get back, get yourself back into the limelight, get yourself back into that title contention because everybody's going to rally behind him. Right. And, and this is also one of those fights where it's just like, it's going to come down to who has the better chin because... When you when you watch Sergey Pavlovich, he actually has a very very similar style to Tai Tuivasa. I mean, it's just no defense being played, no head movement whatsoever, and just absolutely swinging for the fences. I mean, tr- like I, <clears throat> I feel like I can't truly relay how exciting this fight is going to be. It, it's truly going to be two guys. That as soon as the bell rings, they're just going to start exchanging. I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to almost look like a bar fight or something out there. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't really pinpoint who I think is going to win here. Like, but my gut tells me Pavlovich, but like, I could totally see Tuivasa winning as well. I mean, like it, it's basically two of the same fighters fighting each other. So it's, it's very tough to tell in this fight. Who's going to win? Well, I think that's something that we saw from Tuivasa against Gan was the chin. I thought he took some big shots before he finally went down in that fight. So that is something we have kind of seen him get better with. I don't know if he was necessarily bad at it just because he got so hot and went on this run of knockouts. So we didn't really see him take a ton of damage. But now it's like Pavlovich is a guy that we just saw get such a quick knockout that you know immediately there's going to be the fireworks. Now, if Tuivasa can weather that storm, it gets interesting as the fight goes on. Does that experience take over? Does he have more stamina? Is he able to kind of get that second wind? And does Pavlovich have that second wind? Because you look at the rounds, Pavlovich has not fought out of the first round in the UFC. So yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if that's going to play a factor. I thought it did eventually play a factor with Tuivasa in the gun fight, but he went a long period of time in that fight taking some big shots, and I'm excited to see if that's going to play a factor here. Another thing is I just want to see a showy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. he's the fan favorite, obviously. A, a lot of people are going to want him to win, but I, I love that point you brought up about stamina because I was genuinely impressed with Tai Tuivasa's stamina in the last fight because even when you're getting rocked, I mean that that it just shows your endurance. Like it, the amount of pain you can take from a hit has to do with your endurance. So even just him taking the shots, but also giving them late in that third round, I mean it was it was just impressive. And like you said, Pavlovich have not been out of the first round, but. That's just another point to how aggressive and vicious this guy truly is. I mean, it's first round or nothing for this guy. It's true. Now, who do you think these, like, where do you think these guys go after this? Like, what is the next fight to make for the winner of this fight? I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like, whoever even loses this fight, I, I don't even necessarily view them any differently. I mean, so it's like, there's nothing to really lose for these guys, but as for the winner, it's like, I mean, I'd even throw Ty against another rematch to Gon. That's what I was going to say. It seems like that would be a, a 
good route to take here. It would be an interesting route, and I would like to see them fight again just because of how the first fight went. It was really entertaining. It nearly went the distance. I mean, 423 in the third round, that's nearly going the distance there. He just finally got the finish. And now the strikes, 110 to 29, that seems like it makes the fight look a lot worse than it was because I did think that Tuivasa landed a couple big shots and that was what made it so exciting was he kind of did feel like he was getting beat down, but he would land that big right. This is going to be one hell of a fight and I'd like to see them go at it a, a second time. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely love to see that too because like you said, I mean, yeah, Gain did outstrike him significantly, but the shots that Tai Tuivasa did land, I mean, he dropped gain, as you were saying earlier. He dropped gain. That's something we've never seen before. Not even Nganu dropped him. I mean, he just basically put picked him up and put him down for the whole fight. But um, I, w- I would love to see it again, too. I mean, Tai Tui, like I said, Tai Tuivasa, he, it, it doesn't matter if he win- wins or loses this fight. You know, he's still viewed as a top heavyweight, but it feels like that fight that, okay, if he can win this again, then he should get that shot at gain again. Yeah, and for Pavlovich, you think he's the one that fights gone? Like, do you think that is just the route they take? Yeah, absolutely. I think that would make even more sense if Pavlovich wins and then you give him the gone. I mean, it just makes that much more sense for the winner of this to fight gain. No, because he's someone that that gain hasn't fought before and would probably, besides Ngannou, be his be his biggest enemy on the feet, I mean, if he were to knock out Tai Tuivasa. That's the thing is it feels like the whole Nganu situation, I mean, it definitely is holding everything up, but it just feels like right now everybody's in the background of that whole Nganu john Jones situation. It feels like that is just what the heavyweight, they need to get that out of the way, and then a lot of different routes can be taken back to that belt. Right, and, and as you were saying that, I just kind of got this thought, like, Think about all, like, even just since we started this pod, think about all the good cards we've gotten and all the good fights. I mean, and then you still got names like Ngannou, you got Conor McGregor that they don't even have fights scheduled yet. So, I mean, we're we're praising the quality of these cards now, but, I mean, just imagine how they're going to be all next year within the next coming months. I mean, this sport is just in a very entertaining and exciting spot right now because, even the talks about Nganu's deals and like what McGregor's doing, I mean, even that's just all interesting. Even when there's not fights on, the, the, the whole media aspect of the sport is just so interesting. No, 100%. And McGregor, you, I mean, you bring him up, he's in such an interesting spot because it's like, where does he have to do the six months? Is he going to get the exemption because he's Conor McGregor? Is there really a situation here where this dude's taking steroids or did he just blow up because he hasn't had to really stay in like the weight range of that division just because he's not fighting right now? He's in a weird spot. It's like maybe he does go up a division. That would be exciting. But I just want to know, like, when is he actually going to fight? It seems like we get nothing. We have no inclination of when this guy is going to step back in the octagon. Yeah, it's it's very weird. It's... uh. Fighting's almost that sport where it's like you have one night a year, you know, and and that's the night where you get paid, you know, and and that's what it feels like for McGregor. It feels like when we finally get that announcement, like everything's going to change, you know, and then that's that's going to be the night, you know, everyone's just been anticipating this for over a year now. I mean, we're we're coming up on a year and a half, man, when they make that announcement, it's it's going to change everything. I originally thought when the injury happened, I didn't know. I thought like the winter of this year would be the more realistic time for him to come back, but it doesn't seem like he's in any rush. Doesn't seem like he, he, he will go through these couple day periods where he talks about what he would do in there and how he would go about it differently and all this different stuff. And then he's out partying, like not seeming like it's necessarily, he's not in any rush to get back in there. It seems like. Yeah, I, I think he's just involved with too many, like, endeavors and business paths. And, you know, he's got his whiskey business and he's he's making a movie and he's doing all this stuff. So it's like his attention's in different places every single day. So it's like the old Conor McGregor, all he cared about was fighting. That's all he would use to say in his interviews. Anything I do, 
it has to do with fighting. I love the sport, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets all this fame, he gets all this money, and it's like, it's almost like he's involved in too much where he, he can't just be a fighter. The Artem so Lobov. It, it's, it's very peculiar. It's very almost Dennis Rodman esque, if you okay. want to, like, if you want to compare the two. Because, I mean, this guy's just a mystery. You, you never know with him. You, even his Instagram posts. Like, I looked at his Instagram post last night, and he was at some sort of party or something. And in a couple of them, he just, like, had his shirt off, and he was flexing in front of, in front of a bunch of people. And the, he had, like, three different outfits on in these montages of last night. And it's like, dude, what is this guy doing? Like, what is he even up to? I absolutely love the Dennis Rodman comparison because he's just an enigma. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from him. That is is pretty spot on. Like, because you think about, like, you never knew what to expect with Rodman. It's the same shit with McGregor. Like, you never know what to expect with this guy. And I saw the same stuff you did. And I thought, like, at what point did he decide the shirt was coming off? Like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what transpired where he was like, all right, now like it's it's coming off now. And like you said, there was like three different outfits there, so it seemed like we had outfit changes going on, lot going on with Conor McGregor. But I just want to see him get back in there because, as you said, I like the way you put it. It's it's that one night a year you you wait so long for it, it has this big anticipation, and that's props to him because that's exactly how you that's how you perfect marketing yourself in the sport, and we've seen that with him, like. We all get so excited for his fights because of the name, because of all of this craziness that happens when he doesn't fight. It gets you excited for when he does fight, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just one of those guys where it's like if he's fighting, everyone's watching it. It does not matter how much of a fan of fighting you are. Like, you're going to be watching. I mean, he he's literally the Mike Tyson of our generation. You know, he... He's the one that brought everyone to UFC, so it it's gonna be truly it's gonna change everything once they once they announce his fight, and I can't wait for it. So, what's your thoughts on Diaz? Like, it seems like he's officially out. I mean, not really a surprise there. We kind of knew his contract was up, but this seem this makes it a lot more possible that he goes and fights Jake Paul. Yeah, it just makes it a lot more real that he's actually dropped now, because you know there was always a possibility. And like I've said in the past, I don't I don't know if I necessarily believe this whole real fight ink thing. I think it's just kind of one of his ideas that he's toying with. Maybe maybe even to use leverage on the UFC, but you know, like you said, I, I think the Jake Paul route is definitely where we're going. Um and I can't blame him, honestly. I can't blame him. I mean, he, he made a shit ton of money with the UFC, but he's gonna make probably four or five times that on on a Jake Paul fight night, and it's kind of like, why not, man? You know, it, it it seems like he's getting to that age where it could be his last fight. So it's like, why not go out with a bang, man? Even if he doesn't win that fight, it's like good for Nate Diaz because he's gonna get all the popularity, all all the fandom. Everyone's gonna love him, and everyone's gonna be rooting for him in that fight, and all the money he could ask for. So I mean, it, it it's like a no brainer to me, dude. If he fights Jake Paul, it's gonna be so funny because. It's going to be such unorthodox boxing. Like, think about Nate Diaz in the boxing ring. Like, that's going to be so interesting because it's death by a thousand cuts with Diaz. We all know that. Like, he'll eventually land some big shots. But the reason he's so good is because he's unorthodox and because he's able to kind of, like I said, death by a thousand cuts. He beats you down with um, the amount of shots that he eventually lands. But you know, Jake Paul is obviously a good boxer. I, I love watching him. I don't think that he's necessarily unorthodox, but he's also fighting a guy like Nate Diaz is going to kind of force him to be unorthodox. And this is just going to be a weird boxing match, I think. Right. I, I love that you brought that up because I, I like I view Jake Paul now as like very orthodox. Like 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 we've said before, he is a boxer, so he he has that orthodox style now, but Nate Diaz would be so unorthodox that it would maybe throw him off, you know, like you were saying. It it brings me back to the Anderson Silva versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And that's why Anderson Silva won was because he was so unorthodox. He was so weird in his ways in the ring that Julio basically couldn't figure it out. 
So Nate Diaz is one of those guys, like you said, death by a thousand cuts. He's going to be able to take those shots, but he's also going to give them, and it's going to be weird. It's going to be a, a straight left down the pipe that's going to give Jake Paul, you know, it's going to knock him back and make him pissed and want to come in for more. So, I mean, I hope that happens because I feel like that's one of those fights where in all of Jake Paul's past fights, everyone thought Jake Paul was going to win. You know, there, there were a few people that thought the opponents were going to win. And that one, I feel like a lot of people would think that Nate Diaz is going to win that fight. Against Jake Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, I don't think that. I, I'm I'm on the Jake Paul train. I'm, I'm going to roll with Jake Paul there, but I can see what you're saying in terms of this is the biggest test. It's crazy to say that because he just fought Anderson Silva, but the age does play a factor at some point. You know, Nate Diaz is at least somewhat still in his prime here. For me... I think it's a no-brainer to go fight Jake Paul right now. Just, I, I wouldn't have said that if you asked me a month ago, but the way that things have unfolded, it just seems inevitable. It seems like these guys are going to box at some point. I just hope that we do see Nate Diaz come back to the UFC after that, negotiate one more fight, because I do want to see him leave the sport with us knowing it's his last one. Now, I we almost did with the Shemaev, uh, that last fight, it kind of would have had that feel, but because of the way that went down and he ends up fighting Ferguson and it just didn't have the retirement fight written all over it. I guess I didn't feel like that was it for Nate Diaz. And I hope we get to kind of have that proper send off at some point. Yeah. And I don't even know if a Jake Paul would, fight would necessarily be that send off we're looking for, but I think it could be like that big night we're looking for, you know, like even in Nate, even in Nate Diaz's last fight, that was supposed to be Chimaev, right? It, it was a huge night. There was a ton of hype around it. But at the same time, like we all had that thought in the back of our head, like Nate's probably going to get his ass kicked. So is this really like, is this really how we want to see Nate Diaz go off? You know, it didn't really feel like that happy, happy, you know, send off like you were saying, but. I think he could go fight Jake Paul. It could be that huge night, you know, brings in a bunch of fans, obviously, a bunch of popularity. But I think if he fights Jake Paul, it opens up more of a window for him to go back to the UFC after because he, he loves fighting so much and he's been a part of the game for a while. You could give him that send-off when he comes back to the UFC after he fights Jake Paul. The way I've been thinking about it in terms of Diaz and the send-off, like I just said, was I think at some point, him and McGregor should fight and it should be both of their last. Yeah, I mean, that that's the perfect send-off that you can make, right? It seems like that would just make sense. And no matter how old those guys are or where they're at in terms of their career, you're always going to want to watch that. It's always going to be a good fight. They're going to put on a show and... I don't know. It, it feels like that was the biggest time in Conor McGregor's career. Now, we had a ton of them, but that Nate Diaz uh, back and forth where he lost and it was shocking, and then he comes back and he wins a war of a fight, it would just make sense for both these guys to finish. I don't know if it'll work out that way, but I do think for Diaz, what entices him after a Jake Paul fight besides Conor McGregor or a guy of that name? But I don't know. It's For me, it's like he's going to ask for the moon because it's his last fight if, if that's the route he takes. I think the perfect roadmap that we can build here is he fights Jake Paul, right? Wins or loses, doesn't even matter. Conor McGregor fights. Maybe he wins or loses. It would make more sense if he lost, right? Conor McGregor comes back. Let's say he fights Jorge Masvidal and he loses, right? Then he has one more fight left on his contract probably. That's when you bring Nate Diaz back for one fight. End all be all with these two. And it's just the best night in the sports history because we got the two biggest stars currently. Just go head to head and that would be it. 100% that that you couldn't have put it better myself that is the the route that we hope as fans to see at least me and you now back to this card we obviously went on a tangent there Matthews Nicola Matthew Christopher Schnell 
the Battle of the Matthews, spelled differently, but <laughs> I don't know anything about either of these guys, and I'm not going to lie well, is about this, it. Is this Mathias oh, or Matthews? Mathis? Mathis. Matthews? Mathis. Mathis. All right, we'll go Mathis and Matthew. At some point, it's the Battle of the Maths. Right, and and I do gonna say, I do gonna say, you know, uh, I do not know much about either of these fighters, but the thing is about it, I mean, these guys are the third fight on this card that is completely stacked. So I mean, these guys need to be good fighters, right? I, I have a feeling, just off the eye test here, that this is gonna be a very good fight. I don't know if you're getting that same feeling, but I mean. Just at first glance, I mean, it, ha- it has to be a good fight, right? Because they wouldn't put these guys in this position if it were, weren't going to be a good fight, right? I mean, I I see what you're saying. It, it feels like for them to have this position on the card, these are these guys got to go in there and, and, and brawl. Now, they're flyweights, so that's another aspect of this. They're going to be smaller guys in there, but that could mean that, you know— you can't count that out. That doesn't mean that it, there can't be fireworks. It's just, I feel like it takes more for a knockout. I, I don't know if you feel that way. Am I, am I crazy there? I mean, it depends, you know, I, I do agree with you generally, you know, the smaller, the smaller people are, the harder it is to get a knockout, just technically speaking, you know, but it's like, if we were talking about Conor McGregor here, then it's like, well, he's getting an easy knockout, but yeah, no, I, I do agree with you, it, especially for this fight where we don't know either of the guys. I just kind of looked at both of their records. I mean, I see a lot of decisions and submissions, so these guys don't necessarily look like knockout artists, but, I mean, I, I just can't believe that it would be a bad fight, you know, with with this position on the card. I, I That's what I'm saying. Like I, I agree with what you're saying there. Like, you're not just going to throw these guys as that third kind of middle part of the sandwich. This is like if you made a sandwich and the, I don't know, this, this may not make sense, but technically speaking, if you were to make a sandwich and you were to put the lunch meat on there, that's where the third fight is. I mean, it's sandwiched in there in the middle. Now I <laughs> yep. feel like the correct comparison would obviously be the main event being the main part of the sandwich, but either way, maybe I'm just over here blabbered on but either way like we said i don't know a lot about either of these guys so it's tough to really give a real opinion on it now like i was really saying with the hermanson and and dolides in a different way with this one this is a real unknown like i don't really know much about either of these guys so like you're saying it could be total fireworks a good fight live up to the hype of of its position on the card or you just kind of wonder how the hell it got there you know there's been a couple of of these fights that we've talked about on the pod and i feel like i'm going to start calling them first impression fights now you know that this is our first impression on both of these guys we're we're giving them a shot in this third spot you know and and let's see who's going to deliver you know this, this could be a star in the making you know ne- you never know you know yeah. I, i'm excited i'm still excited for this fight because it's almost like a Jake Paul fight in the in a way you have no clue what what to expect because you don't really know much about either of the guys. So that can be just as exciting sometimes as an exciting fight. Yeah, Nikolaou is on a three fight win streak, so he's rolling right now. That's kind of the one thing I can add to that. But you move on to this co-main welterweight bout: Brian Barberena, Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA. Ton of history here, ton of experience in the UFC, and Brian Barberena is a badass. Oh yeah, I mean both of these guys are. They they've been in the sport for forever. You know, I, I looked into Brian, Brian Barberena. He's been been around the UFC since 2014. Eight years ago, he entered the UFC, coming off of a knockout of Robbie Lawler, like into the sport. I mean Barberena, he he's definitely no young stud by any means, but like you said, just a badass bro he, he'll be able to take shots you also give them now i looked into rafael dos anjos right he's been around the ufc since 2012 he's fought for 10 years in the ufc right let me list some of these names that he's fought leon edwards kevin lee kamaru uzman 
Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler, Tony Ferguson, Eddie Alvarez, Cowboy, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz, and Clay Guida. I mean, who hasn't this guy faced? <laughs> Barbarino. That's it. I, I I totally agree with you. Like you look at the resume and it is truly astounding. Like like you said, it all the names pop off the page. Another interesting aspect of this guy that I always bring up made his debut in the UFC against Jeremy Stevens. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I feel like I've said that like three or four times on the pod already. I've made that same joke, but I will make it every time because I just think it's funny. Donald Cerrone, Cowboy, it, it mixes his way in here. Uh, and like you said, Nate Diaz, he fought Donald Cerrone twice. So a, a yep. guy that is not afraid to, to run it back. But like, I mean, Colby, Covington, Kamaro, Uzman. And it's, it's really one of those things. It's like, does Barbarena have the experience to go go, get in there with this guy or is RDA just going to kind of show him, show him who he is, like show him the, that next level. Yeah, no, I agree with you because Barbarian is going to be going in there looking for a knockout. That's just the type of fighter he is. He's going to want this on the feet, but Rafael Dos Anjos, man. I mean, I know he got knocked out by Fiziev in that fifth round, but up until that, I thought he was winning that fight. I agree. And Rafael Fiziev is viewed as a top contender in the division. Definitely no joke. So, I mean, I think RDA is going to kind of school Barbarina on this fight because I think, like you just said, he he's still that next level for fighters. You know, he he's no slouch. I know he's been around for a while. He's older now. Maybe the chin isn't as strong, but... I feel like he just has too much skill in this fight for Barbarian to go in there and get an upset. Yeah, it's like as much as he does have that loss to Fiziev, right before that he beat Moicano, who right now is, I mean, he's a threat. Moicano's legit. That's a guy that that's scary in there. And he did it with a unanimous decision. I mean, the numbers don't lie. RDA went in there and, and, and I mean, he knocked him around. He beat him up. So... It's, I don't think he's washed up. I, don't, I, I, I just don't view him as, as past the prime yet. And I think that he's going to show that in this fight. He's going to have a bounce back as much as Barbarina is a badass. I got to agree with you here. I think Dos Anjos gets in there and shows exactly what I'm saying is like, it's not over. You know, I'm, I'm not at the end here. I still have something left. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, the books definitely agree with us. He's the biggest favorite on this card at minus 555. Wow. So, I mean, according to Vegas, they are basically guaranteeing a Rafael Dos Anjos win. I mean, that's Vegas pretty much saying we think this is a get-right fight. I mean, that's a little too much for me, honestly. I, I think that's way too big of odds. I mean, he, I, I think he's going to win. I wouldn't even bet on Barbarina, but I just wouldn't touch that fight at all, man, because those odds are a little wanky, you know? Now, here's the question. You think it ends in a knockout, or you think that they, these guys are going to go the distance? Like, you think uh, RDA takes the the route of, of just piecing them up and, and, and showing who the better fighter is? Or does he try and get a finish here and, and kind of create a spark for his career at this point? I think Barbarina is such an aggressive fighter and such a fighter that – he doesn't necessarily mind if he even gets knocked out, if, if that's a risk he has to take to getting a knockout. So I think he's just going to be a gnat all night. He's going to be right in Dos Anjos' face trying to exchange. And I think that's where we'll see Dos Anjos' skill truly come into play. And I think it'll end with a Dos Anjos knockout. I love that prediction. It's tough for me. It's like I could see RDA get in there and and just try and, and get right and, and, and show that he's the better fighter. But man, Comain. Oh, sorry. That actually that affects the way that this is that that I view this. Like, if it does go later on, that's when RDA could kind of take over, and because it's not like Barbarina has a lot of experience in five rounders. No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't even know if he's fought any five rounders. Yeah, so, I don't think he. I don't think he has any on his resume. That's what I'm saying. So is this I think, one gonna be five though? I mean, it's a co-main, so I thought that means right. you get the five rounds. That's what I assume. And and RDA is a guy that probably has that respect because of the career and and what he's done for the sport. Yeah, I would have to assume it's five rounds as well. 
I mean, until proven otherwise, I would think so because of that co-main label. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you you don't call it a co-main if it's three rounds. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because so. it's not like they – like Poirier and Chandler, if you really wanted to, you could have made that a co-main because of the resumes of Poirier. And, I mean, Chandler up to that point, just it's not in the UFC. But, like, co-main's got to be five. Either way, I, uh, I'm i moving on to Kevin Holland, Wonderboy Thompson. It's a hell of a fight and one that Kevin Holland needs to win. Yeah, one that Kevin Holland needs to win and one that Stephen Thompson also needs to win. But you kind of look at Stephen Thompson as well. We were saying this on the pod last week as well, and it's like, this guy's 39 years old. I broke that news to you on the pod, actually, which was kind of funny. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> You know, he's 39, so if he loses this fight, it could very well be his send-off. But Kevin Holland, he's a guy that's lost a couple. You know, the wrestling hasn't been there. Definitely not as strong as how he is on the feet. I mean, a lot of questions going into this fight that need to be answered, and they definitely will be answered. They definitely will be answered. And Holland just needs to show that he's growing in terms of that ground game and can at least get back up. I mean, it's not like Thompson has this big uh, history of holding guys down, but Holland has shown that is the route to take against him. It's the easiest way to get a victory against him, and it's the easiest way to put the pressure on him because he just can't get back up. That's something he needs to show improvement here because nobody is questioning what Kevin Holland can do on the feet. I mean, he is entertaining he gets in there and when he starts swinging they're big shots so i think stephen thompson should not take any type of route where he is on his feet for an extended period of time because that's that's lethal kevin holland that's a guy that's hard to beat right but it's like also you know we we kind of saw kevin before he fought chim we saw his wrestling improving a little bit you know stephen thompson is no black belt jujitsu himself as far as as far as i know he's actually a kickboxer that was like 40 and 0 before coming into the ufc so it's interesting because he might want to keep this on the feet i mean his kickboxing is his best tool so i don't i don't i don't really know how stephen thompson comes in with a game plan because all right if he wants to go to his best tool he wants to keep it on the feet it's kickboxing all right, you're fighting against maybe one of the best stand-up guys in in the whole sport who's young. He's 30 years old. He's going to have the better chin. It's it's kind of hard to find a path for Wonderboy in this fight. I got to admit, it's hard to find a path for him. I, I hear you. I mean, I, I get what you're saying in terms of it's not like he has this this history of dominating on the ground. And that does make this an intriguing fight because if they do go the route of standing up, you get to see the strength of Kevin Holland. For me, I think it is such a strength. I I think that Thompson can't compete with Holland as the fight goes on. I mean, he's just a far better striker and he lands bigger shots and he never seems to panic no matter what happens. I mean, a guy that we obviously know, he's big mouth, he talks, he's he's not afraid to to show that he's loose in there. But at the same time, this, like I'm saying, this is big for him. He needs to get a win here, get himself back on the right track. Huge respect for taking the Shamaya fight. He did not have to do that, and he just decided because he's a badass, he did. And and Shamayev is one of the scariest opponents in this sport. He just said, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. You know, props to Kevin Holland, but now it puts him back in this situation where it's like, all right, got to respond, got to get back on track. And I I hope to see it in this one. Like you're saying, it seems like a good matchup in terms of Wonderboy doesn't really have a clear path to victory here. He doesn't necessarily have that dominance on the ground that's going to force Kevin Holland to really not be able to get up. Right, and I, I think if you do really start to look for a path for Wonderboy, it's going to have to be that kickboxing. It's going to have to be those those kicks that keep Kevin Holland at bay because 
when you look at a lot of Kevin Holland's knockouts, it's all with his fists, obviously, right? We're not seeing Kevin Holland doing a skinning, spinning roundhouse back kick, heel to the face. You know, it's it's all basically boxing. With, with Stephen Thompson, he's going to have to use those kicks. He's going to have to go to that front kick to the body a lot, I think, to keep Kevin Holland at bed because Kevin Holland also does have a six-inch reach advantage. So you got to think, I mean, even if Stephen Thompson is throwing a kick out, Kevin Holland might be able to catch him with a jab still just because he's so lanky like that. So, I mean, it, it's just very interesting, but I think that would that would be the possible path for Stephen Thompson if he were to win it. It has to be done with kicks. Yeah, and and Holland is going to be the bigger guy, like you said, with the reach. He's got two inches on the feet. Uh, he's a younger guy. It, everything points to Kevin Holland being able to get a win here and get himself back on track. He It just seems like he has to execute. He can't get caught here, or especially he can't allow Wonder Boy to look like a wrestler. How's that? I mean, Kevin Holland needs to be able to uh, uh, compete down there and – eventually get this thing to the feet and get it, get his knockout, get, get what we're all hoping he, he eventually does. Yeah. I mean, that's going to have to be the statement here is Kevin Holland is back. You know, it's going to have to be a knockout. I actually really like that analogy you made. We can't make Stephen Thompson look like a wrestler, you know, because that, that would be very bad for Kevin Holland. I mean, if he loses this fight, it's not like he's out, but he's definitely on the brink, man. It's like, you have to beat some of this top top competition to be considered in that realm still. That's the thing is like he had such momentum in the sport and then he hit Brunson and that was kind of one of the first times that we saw such a glaring weakness in his game. Then he fought Vittori, wasn't able to win that one. He fights Dawkus, has the no contest, like a really odd fight, like I said. And... He fights Alex Oliveira after that, gets a win. Tim Means, you know, gets back on track, but then fights Shemaev and and looked overpowered in there. He that, that was just the reality of the way that fight looked. It's like Thompson isn't the biggest name, but it would be a nice one to put on the resume. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely is no guarantee for Kevin Holland. I mean, I, I've given out the odds for a lot of these fights. Let's, let's look into them for this fight. It's Kevin Holland minus 165, Stephen Thompson plus 135. So, I mean, especially in fighting terms, that's a very even line. The Vegas does not view this fight as one-sided as maybe we do because I view it as pretty one-sided, man. I, I think Kevin Holland's going to go in there and maybe even make this easy work, man. I mean, Wonder Boy, just, he, he isn't getting any younger. I don't think he looked that good against Gilbert Burns, to be honest. Burns had a pretty easy fight with him. He's just out of that, out of that top top tier range, in my opinion. I I can't keep Wonder Boy there forever, and I think this is the fight where we see it. I think I think Kevin Holland is just going to be way too much for him. Yeah, I hope we see Kevin Holland execute here because I think he has potential to really be an entertaining character in this sport. I mean, he's good on social media and he he backs it up in the octagon. Every time I've watched him, you know, besides obviously the times where we've seen the glaring weakness on the ground, he's just so entertaining when he gets to swinging. And it's just unbelievable that he he talks in the octagon. I mean, that is truly just something where we may never see again. I mean, this guy has full-fledged conversations and, and isn't even worried about it. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see that on Saturday because – Stephen Thompson is one of the most respectable guys in the whole sport. Very, very nice guy. So I wonder if we're going to see some talking this week and this weekend in the Octagon. You see any of the videos of uh, Wonderboy uh, and Jack Black? I did not. No. You didn't see any of that? Because I'm pretty sure. So he's coming out to a Jack Black song, I guess, for this fight. And he met him and stuff. And, and he's like, uh, you know this is one of the most nervous I've ever been. It's just so funny. Cause like, I don't know. It's Jack Black. Like, he's funny. He's, 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 it's just wild to think that Wonder Boy's <laughs> yeah. in there and he's, he's like, you know, nervous to meet him. It's just like, that's one of the most chill guys you could think of, but I guess he's just that big of a fan. Yeah. And, and, uh, you, you would feel like Jack Black would be nervous of Kevin Holland, you know, not, not the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Boy. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with you. <laughs> Now, oh, Wonder Boy. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about Kevin Holland. Oh, no, no, no. Wonder Boy. Sorry, did I say Holland? I don't know. Either Maybe way. I heard you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, Wonder Boy uh, is coming out to Jack Black. So it was 
It was like a video that makes of him. It even better. That is that is funny. <laughs> now, so just to get this clear, Anders and Dawkus, who are you going with? Going Dawkus. Okay, I'm going Dawkus as well. Jack Hermanson and Dolides. Give me Dolides or Dolides, whatever, however you say it. All right, I'm rolling with Hermanson. I think the the uh, experience takes over. Tai Tuivasa and Pavlovich. Going Pavlovich. I'm going Tai Tuivasa. I got to stick Bam All right, Bam. I, I like this. I, I like think this he gets differentiation. Back in yep, I think he gets back in it. All right, so the battle of the maths. Math, Mathis, Nicola, and Matthew Christopher Schnell. I'm going to go Mathis. All right, you're going to go. All right, all right. You know what? I'm going to stick with you on that. I'm going to go Nicola. We're, we're going to stick together on that. Barbarena yeah. and RDA. Going RDA. Yeah, I'm going RDA too. I, I, I would love Barbarena though at those huge odds, you know. I I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind it. It'd be a cool shakeup for the division too. It'd kind of be like, hey, uh, you know, look over here. I'm I'm I should be noticed now. You know, I that yeah. that, that would be a big statement for Barbarena and Wonderboy Kevin Holland. Going Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, hundred percent. I think he wins by knockout. I don't think this goes the distance. I think he eventually does get the finish. Yeah, I it's gonna be interesting if within third like if we get to the end of the third round and Kevin Holland hasn't knocked him out, I think that's when it's gonna start to get interesting. But I do agree with you. I think it'll be Kevin Holland within three net three rounds of a knockout. For sure. Now moving on to kind of the celebrity boxing realm just for a little bit here. Jake Paul has had an active kind of couple of weeks, ten days here. I mean, this guy's calling out everybody he wants to fight anybody in his path most recently we got the patty pimlet call out he and patty the batty are going back and forth i guess there was a comment made where patty didn't necessarily think that the anderson silva fight was uh, legit and that really upset jake paul he came out said that he wants to to spar him patty pimlet is all for it i guess i don't think any of this materializes but it is funny Oh, it's fucking hilarious. But like you said, I I don't see this happening. I Me mean, neither. Dana White isn't just going to let Patty Pimlet spar. I mean, let's let's be completely honest here, right? If, if this does happen, Jake Paul is going to fucking crush Patty Pimlet. You think so? In a boxing spar, yes. Okay. Obviously that's... not in an MMA spar, but in a boxing spar, yeah. That's a take. I, I mean, mean... I mean, the stand-up we've seen from Patty Pimlet, this guy has no defense. Could you imagine him going in a boxing ring against Jake Paul, who has an extremely heavy right hand and knows how to box? Hey, big chin for Patty Pimlet, though. I mean, you <laughs> want to talk about a guy who can eat some shots. That is a dude who is hard to take down. So, I don't know, man. If, if he weathers the storm a few times, he lands some big shots on Jake Paul. I don't know if we're talking. I, I'm I'm a Patty the Batty guy. This is tough for me. Like I love Jake Paul. I love Patty the Batty. Uh, I would want them to kind of land the double knockout. That whole same time, both both guys get knocked out. Dude, this really would be fucking hilarious if it happened though. Like, could you just like, dude? They would upload this to YouTube and it would get like a million views in like two minutes, bro. Like. <laughs> It would be the most watched sparring session of all time. That's what I mean. I I love that he's like, yeah, let's 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 throw a million on a sparring session. And Patty Pimlet's like, yeah, well, hey, I'll be in Vegas talking about fighting him after his UFC fight. Dude, I'm just like imagining Patty getting hit with like a straight right, and he's like, that's all you got, mate. And then he's just like throwing shit back. At him. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, it would just be so ridiculous. No, the, the shit that would be talked would would be electric. Like we said, this is one of those things that feels like it's uh, it was grabbed by the headlines. It got blown up a, a little bigger than it probably should be. But, I, I mean, hey, you got to touch on it. Now, he did also say something about Nate Diaz. We touched on this a little bit. It feels like he's into the Nate Diaz fight as well. And apparently he's going to announce his next fight pretty soon. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess he offered – contracts to two opponents and it sounds like it's nate diaz or tommy fury i i hope it's not tommy fury but you know it, like you said it sounds like we might hear soon i i think he said january maybe he's fighting or it's february something like that i'm so with you on the tommy fury thing dude i'm so out on that i just i i don't have any interest because in he's still like he's still tweeting at him and stuff and it's like 
I don't want to see that fight. Yeah. But then again, I struggle. I think I said this in the last pod. I, I struggle a little bit with that because it's like I've all I've been asking is, is is fight a real boxer. But then it's like Tommy Fury hasn't shown, you know, that he's going to really show us anything about Jake Paul that, that we didn't know, I guess. Yeah, I, I think Jake would just make light work of him like, again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it would be this this end-all exciting fight. It has this huge buildup. I mean, he just has this gripe with this guy. I Eventually, I think maybe it does happen just because Jake Paul seems to not give up on this ever. Yeah, I mean, and it might happen next. But it, I know we're saying we don't want to see it, but if it is to happen, just make it next, you know, so we can just get it over with and then that's that. Get it out of the way. I mean, I guess it's like Nate Diaz seems like he is ready to fight. Like it's not like he he necessarily took a ton of punishment in that Ferguson fight. I'd like to see that be the next one just because I want to see Nate Diaz get back to the UFC. That's my thing. I want to see him get this Jake Paul thing over because I think it's now become inevitable and I want to see him get back in the UFC. Yeah, I think it makes the most sense too. I think that's the only reason you can really bring behind Nate Diaz leaving the UFC at this point. I mean, it's the only thing that really makes sense that he left, you know, is to fight Jake Paul. Yeah, it just seems like Nate Diaz is kind of, that would be the better route in my opinion for the fans and for Jake Paul, as crazy as it is to say, because it's not like Tommy Fury is viewed as that real boxer i don't know i i I think nate diaz would be a tougher opponent than tommy fury yeah i actually agree i mean nate diaz he's never fought in a pro boxing match but we see his boxing in the ufc in the octagon and if you look at his boxing training he does look like he knows his stuff in boxing so i feel like it would be a lot more interesting fight for the fans as well now you talked to me a little bit about the influencer card that's in the in the near future with KSI, has KSI announced his opponent? Yeah, it's Dylan Dennis. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I I, I just yeah. had I, I totally knew that, and I saw all those videos about Dylan Dennis. Now, who else is on that card? Have they announced any of that? So they haven't yet, but I mean, this whole you know we we touched upon that last card on the last pod of uh, it's the whole Misfits Dazen thing going on, and KSI is the owner of that. So KSI is fighting in January on the next Misfits card. And I would assume it's going to be pretty dope. Like, I, I would assume there's going to be someone else on there that we're going to be very excited to see um, since he is that main guy. So it's definitely going to be something we have to be on the lookout for within the next couple of weeks to see who else is fighting on this card. Yeah, like like we talked about it a, a little off camera too. And it's like, it's one of those things where it feels like KSI has – you know, all the connections in the world, like he can get the best social media personalities in the boxing ring. So this has the potential to just be the guys he handpicks, you know, and, and it's probably going to be some of the biggest names out there. Yeah, no, it's going to, it's going to be very fun to watch. We might even see Jake Paul there. He he might call out Cass or Cassai might call it because Cassai talks about it and he is only boxing until he fights Jake Paul. He said, once I beat Jake Paul, I'm done. So it's going to be very interesting to see when that happens as well, because that's going to be, that's going to happen at some point. And I think it's going to be in 2023. It's going to have to be because it's going to kind of get old after that. So that's going to be a huge fight on the horizon as well. Now I know KSI has shown some, some, you know, real improvement in the boxing game, but like, you do you think he's going to beat Jake Paul? I mean, I think Jake Paul pieces him up. Yeah. I think Jake Paul is going to crush him. I but, you know, I, I kind of thought the same thing about Logan as well against KSI. So, I mean, KSI is a dog, man. He, he definitely does train extremely, extremely hard. You saw it in his transformation for his last fight. So, I mean, I can't necessarily completely count the guy out. Yeah. Hey, you know, just hopping right back to UFC just for real quick. It is kind of upsetting what happened with the whole Yuri and Glover situation. Yeah, it definitely is pretty sad. Like I, I, I was, especially since Yuri's such a good guy, you know. Yeah, he, he gave up the belt because he, he was like, "I don't want to hold up the division." Like, what a fucking beast, man! You yeah, know? for real. And, and it's cool because now Blahovich has a chance to get that back. And I mean, he was gonna have to, 
win this fight to be that number one contender. So, I mean, he gets kind of the fast track there. Blahovich is a guy that I've always been able to root for. I, I like him, and I think it's pretty cool that he kind of gets the fast track there. But one kind of underwritten aspect of this is that Patty Pimblett gets moved to co-main. So him versus Jared Gordon now becomes five rounds. Yeah, that's very interesting as well because, you know, that was going to be viewed as the co-main already, but now it's in that co-main spot. Like you said, five rounds. I can't wait to dive into that too when we get to that pod. Yeah, Bryce Mitchell on that one too, Thug Nasty. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. We have a lot of guys on that card. Yeah. A lot of guys. That'll be good one. That is, yeah, that's after this fight night. So, so next pod. Yeah, it's coming up. Next I mean, pod, and, and this one's deep too. I, I mean, obviously main event gets canceled, but this has Rosenstruck in the, uh, Chris Curtis in the uh, uh, prelim. Sorry. Uh, Raul Rojas is going to fight the young kid. So that'll be interesting too, because I'm really rooting for him. I think it's, I think it's really cool that he is so young and, and able to hang here in the UFC. I didn't even know that was allowed, bro. Yeah, dude. I thought you had to be at least 18. This guy's teenager. He's getting, you know, fresh out of the homeroom. He's coming in and he's fighting legit UFC guys. That's pretty fucking sick. I, I, I'm very excited for that fight. For real. Very, very excited. I mean, great weeks coming up for the UFC. That's all I have today. Appreciate you hopping on the pod. Yeah, of course, bro. I'm uh, like I just said, I'm very excited for that next pod. Um, Go Patriots tomorrow against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I mean, huge game. Yeah, uh, I know I ended off the last pod with some uh, Lions Thanksgiving football talk, but this one's going to be the Patriots because huge game. Yeah, it is a big game. I mean, me over here, like, you know, my personal sports fandom, I'm just I'm in a tough spot. It looks like Xander Bogarts is out of Boston. Ouch. Yep. All right, I'll Ouch. see you. Yeah, go tune into uh, what's your Red Sox podcast? Back to Folk. I haven't done one in a little while, but I'm going to do one, you know, kind of based on some of the stuff that's transpired over the last couple weeks. Hell yeah. Everyone be on the lookout for that. Hell yeah. Appreciate it. See ya.